for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Cisco Champions Radio Season 5, Episode 24. Today we'll be talking about Meraki and their latest gear with David Van Schrebderk and Rahul Ramishkrishnan. Our Cisco Champion hosts today are Ben Story and Lee Badman. As for me, I'm Brett Shore from the Cisco Champion Program team, and I'll be playing the part of moderator. Uh, Rahul, if you could start out by introducing yourself and your role at Cisco, Meraki, that would be a great start. Hey, I'm Rahul. I'm product manager for the MX SD-WAN and security appliance line. Great. Thanks, Rahul. And David, if you could do the same, that would be great. Yeah, great to chat. Uh, this is David Van Travendijk. I am product marketing manager for the Meraki MX security appliances. Great. Thanks. Now, our Cisco champion hosts, uh, Lee, if you can tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do, that would be a great start. Uh, sure, my pleasure. I am Lee Badman. I'm a wireless network architect for Syracuse University, located in scenic Syracuse, New York, and thank you for having me. Great, thanks, Lee. And Ben, same for you. Who are you, where are you, and what do you do? My name is Ben Story. I'm a network engineer for Hospital Sisters Health System in Springfield, Illinois, and I'm mainly dealing with uh, route switch and security, but have been doing a lot with the Meraki's for our uh, new clinic deployments. Great, thanks. So now we'll go ahead and kick off the podcast and I'll pass the mic over to Ben and Lee to get things started. Well, um, for the Meraki guys, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, um, you know, we had a recent product announcements um, with the new MXs and kind of give us some feel for where you're going with those and some of the new use cases you're trying to hit. Yeah, so recently uh, we did release a, a whole new line of Meraki MX security and SD-WAN appliances. And the thinking behind that really was that we're seeing a lot of organizations that are needing to, to prime their branch offices for the future. Um, there's quite a bit of transformation happening around, um, you know, with IT around SaaS use that, that's increasing. Everybody's using Ops 365, Dropbox, uh, you know, another file sharing application, Salesforce, and all these applications are hosted in the cloud, right, which is driving uh, broadband requirements way up. Uh, people need higher throughputs. So we've gone ahead and, and refreshed that whole line to kind of prepare for that, that future at the branch where people need these higher throughputs. Uh, I mean, people are getting gigabit lines uh, into their into their branches uh, and even homes sometimes. So, so that was a big needed refresh. But one of the newer things that we did uh, that's actually pretty interesting with this new line of products is we, we added some built-in um, LTE modems into these uh, branch security and SD-WAN appliances. So that gives us uh, a great new uplink option for people who need fast and seamless failover um, or even people that don't have access to broadband lines in the first place. Um, they can get their networks up and running without any broadband line at all. So uh, pretty exciting new line of products 
the MX67, MX68, and then we also have a teleworker device uh, which can handle up to five clients uh, for remote workers that want to VPN back into their corporate networks, and oh, that added in LTE models as well. Definitely sounds interesting. Uh, the new things I, I know from a medical point of view, we're, we're looking forward to the LTE built in um, to do some use cases for some of our smaller clinics, especially um, using it as a primary connection. Um, from from an SD WAN perspective, um, I know from talking to Meraki uh, recently, I know you're working on that for the LTE, but is there any other new things from a SD-WAN perspective with this line? Um, I think uh, for, for the SD-WAN side of things, the, the real benefit here comes from, you know, the, the fact that we have improved hardware um, and, and you're getting those, those speeds, you're getting the, you know, LTE embedded failover um, and you're getting a little bit more visibility on dashboard for your LTE. Specifically on SD-WAN, uh, with these new platforms, uh, there, there's nothing really that comes from the hardware side itself. Uh, you know, th there are, uh, we're making our firmware to apply to all of our MX lineup. And so therefore any, uh, you know, updates that come are applicable to uh, every single MX that we have. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're constantly developing more and more uh, SD-WAN features and, and these are in our, uh, currently you can find them in our beta firmware that you're able to upgrade to uh, yourselves through our dashboard and, and by calling support. So, you know, always encourage, uh, you know, learning more from either your SE or, or just from our general uh, Meraki dashboard updates on firmware for, for the different uh, sort of capabilities that you can find. So with the new MXs, um, the license paradigm has not changed, right? It's still basic and then advanced security? That's correct. So the, the new MXs still have an enterprise license, and then uh, which, which comes with SD-WAN, um, and, and the advanced security license, which incorporate all of our uh, Cisco technologies. And does the LTE require one or the other, or is it flexible no. for both licenses? Yeah, the LTE is works just uh, with, with just your basic enterprise license. Yeah, and obviously you would need to work with a, with a carrier. So the way that the LTE works is you, we have a, a SIM card slot um, in these new LTE models and you would plug in a, a micro SIM card and you get that from your carrier. So you would work out uh, you know, with your carrier what sort of pricing and, and data plan you would want. So given that a lot of the Meraki customers are global, what's the uh, limitations, or are there any limitations on the carriers, both in the U.S. and you know, worldwide? Are there any biggies that are that are not compatible, or is it a take-all-comers kind of thing? Yeah. So what, what we've done there is, um, if you look at our documentation, um, you're able to see the exact bands that are supported uh, for both our North America and worldwide versions. And with that, you can sort of match those bands to the carrier of your choice to see if they're supported. At, at a high level in, in North America, we, we support every major carrier uh, except for Sprint. We, we do not support the, the Sprint bands. Um, and, and worldwide, it's, it's generally the same as well. That we, we support uh, most of the, of the top carriers. Um, and that was really the goal with this launch was, you know, we wanted to come out of the gate uh, supporting uh, the top 15, top 20 worldwide carriers, which cover 80 to 90% of all customers. So um, this this was their goal, and, and we were able to meet that. Excellent. I know it's maybe premature to ask, but I'll ask anyways, and uh, maybe it's a silly question, but 
5G is on the horizon? I mean, it's just a sim, right? Or um, are these expected to support 5G when it comes out, or is it just too early? So 5G overall is is very early in in the market. Um, you know, at, at this point, uh, even carriers are are starting to define the protocols, the standards around them. So nothing has been well defined around that yet. Uh, and and with these new platforms specifically, uh, 5G would require a hardware upgrade. It's not something that uh, you can you can just pop in a SIM or or do a firmware upgrade on and you have 5G. It would require entirely new hardware. I guess it's a, I guess it's significant that we're even talking about 5G. So <laughs> right, it's right. interesting. I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's hard to. There's so much noise around it. It it almost sounds like it's right here sometimes or. You know, right around the corner, but it's really not. So thanks for yeah, clearing exactly. that up. Exactly. And I mean, it, it's definitely, uh, 5G is the future. We're going to see faster and faster speeds coming from our, our carriers. And, um, you know, it sort of supports this whole wireless WAN movement that's happening um, in, in the market. So, uh, you know, we want to, we as Meraki also want to get to that position. But, uh, you know, it, this is our, our platforms right here are, that we've launched are the first step. And, uh you know, we want to make sure that uh, we're, we're going to get there. I was going to say, with the LTE, again, maybe maybe it's going to be silly, but I'll say it. Uh, anything in there that can tell me that I'm, you know, hitting some threshold on my data plan or uh, any alerts that are configurable? Like right now, there's all kinds of alerts for built into the Meraki. Is there any new alerts that come other than link up and down, um, you know, related to LTE in the in the interface so what we did with the uh, what we did for launches we wanted to make sure you had a little bit more monitoring capabilities both on dashboard and via API um, so with the with the new products on dashboard you're able to see a little bit more information about your signal strength in terms of your uh, you know RSSI values RSRQ RSRP uh, as well as what band you're operating on um, you're also able to set and configure your APN on dashboard uh, which is which is something new with the, with these new devices, um, and, and we're happy to share that that's possible. Um, and on the API front, you're able to do everything that I just mentioned through API, which is monitor those same statistics and also configure um, your APN through the API. Um, and, and this is available today. What what specifically about you know around uh, going over a data limit or so that this is not um, at this moment. Uh, we, we definitely understand the use case, and we, we want to make sure our customers aren't blowing through any data limits. So uh, we're we're looking into that. So to play, play off of that question, my mind kind of fits in there. Is there a estimate or you know a rule of thumb as to how much data you need just to have the LTE sit there and be active, in terms of you know probing from from the Meraki uh, to make sure that you know it knows that that link is up and available. So, so from your, uh, so you know, when you're on LTE, the the sort of uh, communication that the device is doing to our Meraki Cloud backend is very minimal. It's it's a couple of pings uh, here and there, which are very very small, uh, you know, data payloads. So you're you're not you're not in a risk of sort of blowing through your limit just on sort of our connectivity checks. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's the, the I need to check on what the magnitude is in terms of uh, you know what the exact number is. So I don't want to say a number that's not accurate. But I've I've never heard of a customer complaining that we've blown through our our limit based on uh, based on just 
the Meraki cloud connectivity specs. Okay, that, that's that's fair. Um, so we we have a question uh, in the in the comments here. I'll just bring up. Chris was wondering if the MC line, the the phones, um, they seem to have disappeared. Are they considered EOL and dead at this point, or is there something coming? Um, so we're we're gonna get uh, official communication from from Meraki on this soon. And and David, maybe you can chime in here since you might not, may know more about this, but. Um, at, at this point, the the MCs are the, the sort of status of MCs are are going to be communicated more widely. Um, I think through through some of the the blog channels or something like that. Do you know, David? Yeah. So so as of now, um, you probably have noticed, right? The MCs are not showing up on the website anywhere. Uh, they're not publicly really visible, and that was uh, because some of the uh, challenges we had coming out with that product initially. Uh, we wanted to, to pull back and, and uh, re-look at potentially improving the quality of these MCs before we actually put it out there to the world. Um, we just didn't want to put a, a product out there that had some issues that could uh, potentially cause, cause customers problems. Um, so at this point, it is publicly not available. We're not promoting it. We're supporting anyone who still has it, but we're kind of re-looking at the strategy behind that product. Okay, thanks for that update. Yeah, um, in, in terms of um, Rocky, one of the things that sort of always comes up as a key, um, you know, when you're selling it to management and whatnot is the ease of use, you know, the dashboard and all that. Um, and I know in today's world with DevOps and programmability and everything, everybody's looking at API. Um, can, can you uh, talk a little bit about the, you know, Ways that Meraki, even though it's you know everything's in the dashboard, could can be integrated into company strategies for DevOps and that. Yeah, yeah. So I can definitely talk to that. Um, you know, Meraki's whole mission is to sort of make uh, powerful technology simple, and and that's really what uh, you know has helped us get to where we are today. And and the whole point is that we want to make sure that uh, both both sides of the market are. Uh, are addressed. One is the, the the user that just wants it to work. You plug it in, it works. Very simple to use dashboard. But then the other side is, you know, they want to dig in a little bit more, make it customizable, make sure that um, all the sort of levers are there for more granular reporting and configuration. And API is definitely our strategy there, where uh, all our en engineering teams have have has have had a huge focus uh, towards API in the in the recent months. Um, and you know we're, we have a dedicated API team uh, both on the engineering side and the product side, so uh, we're, we're really putting in our effort here, and that the whole purpose of that team is to sort of collect and see exactly where uh, you know, Meraki's sort of value proposition can be enhanced by allowing um, customers to be able to use and, and leverage uh, some of the APIs that we have, as well as which ones um, should we expose to, to make things easier? Um, so it's definitely a case-by-case -case basis in terms of how we can make things better for, for all our customers. But uh, one thing is for sure that uh, we have had a tremendous shift uh, into our focus for APIs, um, and, and we're just going to see that continue to grow. On the topic of the API, there's really no um, you know delta between what you can do with the small MXs and the big MXs, right? I mean, it's just... The API is the API, or is there anything there to talk about? 
No, so we're we're not differentiating at all between uh, sort of small MXs and big MXs. Um, obviously, uh, the ones that the sm some of the small MXs have uh, different capabilities, like cellular. Uh, so there will be there there is a cellular API, as I mentioned before, and obviously that's not available on on the ones that don't have that. But we're not sort of differentiating by uh, by MX on what APIs are available. Looking at the uh, the new MX. 68CW going back to the you know the phone question you've got two PoE ports on that thing and I think about okay what am I going to plug in to PoE and uh, well right now it won't be phones for a while <laughs> at least Meraki phones um, right. you know the cameras are there at, or Meraki APs and that makes me go to the next um, thought boy it would be nice if those uh, Meraki uh, APs and the wireless part of the uh, MX could roam betwixt them. Is that still not the case? So, so um, there is a clear, there is a sort of a nuance there, which is, um, you know, to answer your original question, we do actually have a lot of customers that are deploying our, our 12 port uh, MXs, whether it be the 65 or the 68s, uh, using a, a MV and plugging that in via PoE, and, and so that's where those PoE ports come in handy. Um, in terms of the sort of roaming between the two, what what you can what you can do is uh, is have the same SSID and and password sort of broadcasting between uh, an MR and MS, and that will you know you will be able to quote unquote roam between those. What we would do not support is the the mesh capabilities of of MR uh, between an MR and an MX. That is not there um, today. Ah, good to know. I thought it was. Uh, I thought there was no roaming whatsoever, but that's good to know. Yeah, and I think the uh, the the best part about these these MXs as well is that uh, you know we we also earlier this this year announced um, MI Meraki Insight, um, and that application level performance is we're seeing that become a huge sort of driver for for MX as well where. You know, you have your MX set up in an SD-WAN configuration. You have some applications that you're, uh, you know, prioritizing over a couple uplinks, uh, whether that be O365, et cetera. Um, but what you can do now is uh, instead of just uplink performance, you can look at application level performance uh, based on various factors, um, whether it be the WAN side, LAN side, or even server side of the application. So. MI is becoming a great addition to the MX story, and what we've seen is going forward with uh, various SD-WAN conversations and things like that, MI is becoming an increasingly uh, important part, uh, and it really just sort of rounds out the entire package uh, of the MX SD-WAN uh, offering, and, and so, you know, if, if, M if MI uh, hasn't been part of any of your conversations before, you know, I, I think it definitely should be. Uh, because th there are really cool um, applications and use cases for MI um, as it runs on the MX. Um, and so definitely, you know, want to package those two together. As I look at the spec on the new MXs, um, I can't help but think that, you know, we're starting to blur the line from older, bigger MXs like the, don't laugh, the 70s and the 80s, you know, going back a ways. I still have... Uh, some of those out there, you know, one, blurring the line as far as like firewall throughput and VPN throughput and all that. One thing I don't see listed that's, you know, seems to be an important 
uh, you know, metric is device supported device count or supported user count. I know that's always an estimate, but when I look at something like the 68 or the, you know, the 67, what do you say is a, a max people count that's safe to use or a device count? I guess is a better, you know, we're talking networking, you know, right. a, a supported device count. What's a good number there to think about? Right. So at, at the, um, you know, we, for the 67 and 68, we still are, are carrying over our same sort of 50 client count uh, recommendation. Uh, th this is based on, you know, we, we've done our testing for this. Um, and, you know, you, the, the MXs, the devices can support more than that. They can support less than that based on what each client is doing. But, um, you know, we, we do want to differentiate our lineup based on that. So, uh, well, not just based on that. That's one of the factors. And, and so, you know, when we go through our testing, we want to make sure that each client is, is having a, a, a good user experience in terms of throughput and, and latency and things like that. So, um, you know, we, we're, we're still sticking with our uh, sort of 50 client recommended count for the new, new devices. Sorry, if, if uh, people want to learn learn more information about uh, number of clients, throughput, um, how different features on the MX affect some of those, uh, we do have a document that we have public, which is the uh, Meraki MX Sizing Guide, which takes you through um, some of the features that may have some performance impact, like, for example, turning on malware protection. Obviously, that, that affects your performance somewhat or... Uh, having VPN uh, that'll affect your performance somewhat. You know, content filtering will have a limited performance, but it'll it'll have some uh, performance effect on your MX. Uh, we also uh, go into the built-in MX device utilization, which is a really nice feature on the MX um, in the dashboard, where you can monitor the utilization uh, of your MX over time and start to see, you know, hey, if my if my device, uh, you know, my my network has been growing quite a bit. I'd like to understand how that's affecting my network as far as throughput and the utilization of that specific um, MX device. And so you can see that in the dashboard and, and potentially say, hey, you know, it looks like I'm getting close to 80 to 85% utilization as my network's growing. Maybe time for me to upgrade um, my MX. So especially for people who are using these MX64 and 65 series, or maybe even the older ones, um, to be able to, to monitor that, check the utilization, say, hey, I'm using a lot more SaaS-based applications. It's driving my bandwidth requirements up, and it looks like I'm, I'm pretty heavily utilized. It might be time to, uh, to look for a new device. So we have some of that information online. And is it still the case? You know, I've got some old dusty 64s at a couple of my farm locations and my, you know, my consulting business. And when I say they're dusty, they're dusty and they probably smell like cows after all these years <laughs> sitting there. And when I look at, you know, the, the new stuff and, you know, going forward, is it still the case that each one of these models is its own uh, absolutely model specific license? It's not like, Oh, you know, replace one small MX with another small MX and, you have a small MX license. They're still tied by model number in all cases, are they not? Yes, that's that's still true today. Yeah, and that's true across the entire Meraki portfolio, um, including even MI Meraki Insight, which Rahul was mentioning. 
which varies depending on which model of MX you're using as the collector to pick up a lot of that uh, information for Meraki Insights. Uh, on the on the MI side, uh, we do separate it into sort of small, medium, and large. So, um, so to, to the point, uh, you know, of you know, can we just share between a small MX and a large MX? That does work with uh, sort of MI. So, if you had an MX64, you you would buy the small uh, MI license, and if you just replace that with an MX67 or 68, you would also just carry over your small MI license. Um, but for but for MX, uh, we do break it down specifically by model. Where if you had an MX sixty four license, you cannot carry that over to your MX sixty seven license. And for what it's worth, I think that's one of the I think that's one of the things people like to gross about is I still have time on my license and all of that. You know what I mean on the right. on the outgoing hardware. And, you know, for what it's worth. Yeah, and then that that's definitely good feedback, um, and and you know we we understand where you're coming from, uh, and it, something that we're looking into. So we've we've had some discussions uh, among the champions uh, in our teams room over the last month or so about Meraki, and one of the things that has come up time and time again, I'd just kind of like to get your take for it. We we all ha uh, have used the Make a wish um, button somewhere in the Meraki uh, GUI at one time or another, and I was wondering if you guys could kind of give us a inside view as to, you know once we've pressed that button and hit submit, what happens to those type of suggestions? Yeah, so so the Make a Wish feature um, is actually a really great feature because what that does those requests go straight to our engineering team, um, and and. You know that that feature was set up years ago because our engineers really wanted to see exactly what the feedback is uh, on each page of dashboard to see how they can improve the experience, um, and that's still true today. So every single Make a Wish feature that comes from dashboard goes straight to our uh, engineering team. They actually have a very very large screen smack dab in the middle of their working place that is going through each of the make a list make a wish features that are that are coming in um and the, you know engineers are walking by or their desk is right next to it they can just they sit there and, and read it um to see how they can improve um and so you know it's not it's not that it's not really a black box uh i know it's hard to get that feedback of you know has the has my wish been seen has it been acknowledged things like that um, we don't have that functionality in our Make-A-Wish yet, but uh, rest assured, our engineers are to this day still getting and and looking at and thinking about every single Make-A-Wish uh, feature that uh, a request that comes in. Um, so we're still going to continue to do that. Let's just address the elephant in the room since this is an intimate conversation. What is the stupidest wish request you've ever gotten? Just the absolute dumbest, the one that make all the engineers, engineers shriek with laughter, call each other over to look at their screens, and everybody is just making fun of it. <laughs> what, what's the worst one? <laughs> I mean, there, you, you don't have to. You don't have to answer that, really. Yeah, there are there are a, there are a ton of feature requests that come in that you know uh, just don't make the most sense and we also just get silly ones as well that are just have no relevance to to dashboard like some some someone like made a wish for uh, you know can i have a beer and then made a wish 
but it's like you know things like that. But uh, you know most of the most of the features that we do get feature requests that we do get on Make a Wish actually make a ton of sense and they're very thoughtful. And so that's why you know we we still are maintaining our Make a Wish uh, feature where you're able to put in these inputs because. You know, we our engineering team and just Meraki in general just really wants to keep that uh, close connection to our customers, and so uh, you know, I still highly encourage uh, the use of the Make a Wish feature. So, is there some sort of curation of these Make a Wishes, you know, beyond just scrolling by on a screen? Like, for instance, like if there's 17 people that have a very similar idea, do they get like rolled up into some sort of overarching? Um, request for the developers? Yeah, so that we do have that sort of bigger screen, but then every single feature request is sort of tracked based on what page they're coming from and what product they uh, allude to or, or refer to. So, you know, if you're making an MX uh, feature request on the MX traffic shaping page or something like that, then uh, those will get filtered by that and be sent to the respective engineering teams where there's a smaller uh, sort of focused channel of of just uh, of these Make a Wish feature requests, and so we get sort of uh, more eyes and more sort of focused eyes on these requests coming in. Yeah, one more thing on the Make a Wish so for the for the sake of silliness, uh, there are a couple of Easter eggs that are built into it. So if you if you type in something like I think it's it's unicorn, uh, like make me a sandwich, I think is another one. If you type that in as a Make a Wish. Uh, it gives you some some funny responses. I don't know, Rahul, if you know any other ones on top of that, but there's a couple of Easter eggs hidden into the to the Make a Wish feature as well. That is true. Uh -oh. So how long until I can just yell at Alexa to make my wishes <laughs> for me? <laughs> I, I was just thinking, uh, now that uh, everybody's heard that, the ones that didn't know, we're going to be uh, trying all sorts of things into your Make a Wish, uh, similar to how people yell at Siri and Alexa to see what she responds on things like that. We're all, all going we'll to be typing things into Make-A-Wish just to see what happens. It's pretty bizarre what we're all becoming <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> I'm sure there will be an API uh, in the Meraki dashboard for that, that Alexa feature you're talking about at some point. So, you know, from a um, perspective of someone who is both in the Meraki space and the uh, for lack of a better term, traditional Cisco space. Um, what kind of synergies are you guys seeing as you're working in that space where you, you've got the hybrid between like, you know, traditional Cisco and, and Meraki? Um, are there any, and is there anything, you know, going on to help help that um, become even even more closely tied? I mean, I think uh, we as Meraki, we're, we're in that very unique position where you know, we're, we're part of Cisco, and, and the best part of that is that Cisco has amazing technologies all across the board in terms of security, connectivity, uh, and various things like that. And, you know, our, we as Meraki want to make sure that we are providing the most value to our customers by, by making sure we're taking uh, advantage of, of our, our unique position um, and incorporating these technologies into, um, into the MX. So and and other Meraki products. So for for example, MX currently uh, we integrate with a ton of Cisco uh, security features uh, like uh, Cisco AMP, Cisco uh, you know Snort for our IDS IPS, um, and also our Threat Grid integration as well. Um, and this is this list will just continue to grow. So for example, 
the the MR, the Meraki MR, the access point has integrated with Umbrella to to provide a safer Wi-Fi option for for uh, MR customers. Um, and the MX is also uh, integrate has an integration with Umbrella as well, which is available in uh, MX15 code uh, today. So. Um, th this list is just going to continue to grow, and, and that's sort of the, the key value of us being part of Cisco, and, and we couldn't be happier to be part of Cisco. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, you know, the, the full stack of security actually becomes really powerful beyond just the MX and, and a lot of those integrations. As Rahul mentioned, the umbrella integration with MR that we just announced publicly, um, and then, you know, with switches and, and wireless as well as systems manager, there's, there's Cisco ICE. Uh, integration as well, and, and any connect uh, with Meraki Systems Manager. So lots of great Cisco technologies that are getting pulled into strengthening Meraki's portfolio. And then on top of that, a lot of our products are really complementary. So, for example, from from an SD WAN perspective, um, you know, Meraki really provides a, a, a very seamless cloud managed dashboard that's really easy to manage. Uh, scale across multiple sites, perfect fit for these, these distributed sites, um, distributed organizations. And then, uh, you know, Vitella from the SD-WAN side comes in and provides additional features for, for really complex networks uh, from the SD-WAN side. So really complementary from, from an SD-WAN perspective uh, as well as security. In regards to the... Um WebEx and the team chat and the, the struggles that are going on right now for people trying to use them. Does that sort of thing um, put like Meraki for being a, you know, cloud managed, um, you know, architecture, does that put you guys on the defensive at all? Do you find people saying, oh, geez, you know, cloud, cloud went down, cloud had problems. Does that sort of stuff worry you guys at all? Or do you find yourself having to answer questions that you normally don't have to? And I'm I'm not being accusatory. I'm a Meraki customer. I'm just passing on this gentleman's question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, in, in general, you know, being a cloud managed company, anything, any company that has anything to do with cloud means that there are, you know, there are some risks that uh, the company has to mitigate in terms of uh, security, in terms of reliability, um, that you wouldn't really have to do with a completely on-prem solution. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we do get questions like that, uh, all the time, uh, and specifically regarding to, uh, compliance issues with, with various customers and, and, uh, various regions and things like that. So, uh, we have an entire team dedicated to that portion in terms of cloud security, in terms of Meraki cloud security, um, and, and, uh, the whole, our whole entire backend and infrastructure teams are, are focused explicitly on making sure that our cloud can scale and and has the minimum amount of downtime so uh this these are top of top priorities for for our teams and that's why we have entire engineering groups uh dedicated to it um and so they're constantly learning constantly taking uh feedback uh from from uh, you know customers from uh, the market from uh things like this WebEx outage in on terms of what happened and and how it can be how we can learn from that to improve our own uh, cloud architecture. Yeah, and overall, you know, that that um, topic is brought up a lot differently in different regions. So for example, in the US, 
obviously starting out, Meraki had a lot of questions around that, but, but for the most part, by and large in the U.S., that question has gone away. A lot of people have started to really recognize the value of the cloud and that, that mostly makes up for or even exceeds some of the concerns. Um, like, for example, with security, with the cloud, you can get more visibility, easier cloud updates um, via the cloud architecture. Um, reliability, you know, obviously we're, we're very reliable, four nines of uptime, and, but the Meraki devices continue to operate, a network will continue to operate if the Meraki cloud, for whatever reason, goes down. Uh, it doesn't actually affect your, your network. Um, but it's funny how it varies across regions. In the U.S., it's kind of, you know, people are, are sort of used to it, uh, but you have some holdouts um, or some areas that are starting to get a little bit more used to the cloud. Uh, but over time, what we've seen, the more exposure they get to it, the more they learn about it, it's really more of a, an education thing and uh, people start getting on board. So we're getting down to the last uh, 15 minutes or so that we have allotted for this podcast. Um, are there any questions from the audience here um, that anybody wants to ask uh, of the Meraki guys, of Lee or, and Ben? Um, feel free. This is a good opportunity. And you can also put it in chat if you if you don't want to speak up. Yeah, I got another fellow asking me how uh, is there a is there an obvious um, conversational delineation between you know traditional Cisco as Ben put it a little bit ago and Meraki when it comes time for um, shopping. Um, one gentleman said it's very strange to be um, marketed to by both Cisco and Meraki like they're competing against each other. I know that's probably a huge topic that could be talked about for hours, but is there an easy answer to, uh, you know, kind of where does one stop and the other start? Or, so, well, one one kind of like really easy way that we explain it. Uh, I, I'm actually at a at a trade show right now, and I often get people come up to me at trade shows and say, "Look, you know, there's there's multiple security options, there's multiple SP WAN options. How do I how do I choose which one is right for me?" And I'm getting you know, trying to understand the value proposition of both and kind of the, the rule of thumb or like very oversimplified way of thinking about it is that at Meraki, we sort of see ourselves as the, the apple of networking where we're going to give you uh, almost all of the features that you need in a very easy to use fashion. So just similar to the iOS um, on Apple, it, it's Simple to use, you know. Your mom, your mom can can uh, figure out how to send an email and a text message, and and um, obviously Meraki has a lot more features than that. But it but it really boils down to the the simplification um, ease of use case, and then Cisco comes in and is really complimentary by by providing kind of some more additional features on top of that in some cases. Um, so that's really the the way that we position it is, is the simplification and ease of use, cloud management, um, or you have a more complex network. Ben and Lee, any, any further questions or? I, I don't see any, so. Okay. Super. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ben, any, anything else from you? Nope. Uh, same here. I think, I think we're pretty good at this point. Great. Well, thank you both. I just want to uh, I'll go ahead and close things out. This has been Episode 24 of Cisco Champions Radio Season 5. Uh, thank you all for joining us today, and especially to David and Rahul for sharing their insight, and to Lee and Ben for hosting today's session. We really appreciate it. Uh, as always, thanks to everyone for joining and participating in Cisco Champions Radio. Look for this episode and other episodes 
on iTunes and blogs.cisco.com slash perspectives. Until next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>